Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. If you are visiting, my name is Meredith. My husband, Phil, who you just met, and I have the incredible privilege of being the pastors of Cornerstone Church, and we just love it. It is the honor of our life, and I am particularly excited about 2023 and what I believe God is going to do for us and in us and through us throughout this year. I am so excited because tomorrow we are kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on, you can cheer for that. You know you got some mature saints when they're cheering for 21 days of prayer and of fasting. And I'm excited about it because it's one of the first things that we do in our year. We've kind of built this rhythm and this habit of stepping into this first thing of a time of prayer and of fasting together. And there's something about our first things, right? There's something about what you do first. In Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said these words. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I think that when we step into our year and we make this statement that the first thing we're gonna do this year is we're gonna seek after you, God. We're gonna seek after your presence. We're gonna seek after your voice. We're gonna commit our time and how often we get those things flipped around. And we're like, well, I wanna seek you, God, and I wanna pursue your righteousness, but the first thing I really want is all of these things. We come to him with all of these things, and then we begin to seek his face, and then we begin to seek his presence. Come on, we all do it. I've done it before, too. We go to God, and we say, hey, this is what I really need. Also, would your presence be with me today as I go? But what if we seek first? If we sought him first, if we woke in the morning, there's something that comes to us about first things, and tell a lot by, about a person by what they put on their calendar first. When you sit down to think about your week or your month, what are the first things that you lay out for that month? What are the first things that you make time for? You can tell a lot about your thought life when you think about what you think of first when you wake in the morning. Or when bad news comes to you, what is the first thought that you have? When a compliment comes to you, what is the first thought that you have. Are you like, yeah, I did do that, you know? Or are you like, it's the goodness of God that caused me, that taught me. I would be nothing without his grace. I mean, there's something about the, the first thing in a thing. It's why the tithe is the first 10%. It's not any 10%. It's not any amount. You can have an offering that you bring, but if you're talking about bringing a tithe, we're talking about bringing a tenth. And if we're talking about bringing the tithe, we're not just talking about bringing the middle tenth or the last tenth. We're talking about bringing the first tenth. Because the front of something directs what happens after it. 
It makes a statement about the priority. It makes a statement about the direction. It makes an implication about what is gonna happen with the rest of something when we direct the first. So when we direct our first 10%, it directs what we're happening and it says, this is the direction that I have decided and now, of course, most of us are not harvesting every year and setting aside the first portion of the harvest. There are many ways that we in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives direct our first. I know many of you who use checks have told me you sit down and as you begin to do your budgeting and your planning throughout your month, the first check that you write will be the tithe that you intend to bring in as a way of signifying to yourself that the first thing that I do is this. Some of you say when you sit down and you do your budget lines that the first line on your budget is what you're giving, what your tithe and your offerings are. Some of you give digitally and as your income comes in digitally to your account, you sit down and you get in the app and you give it first. But there's something about the first that says when I go after this First, it directs the rest of my life. And we have created this rhythm, this habit in our church of the first thing in our year is a time of prayer and of fasting. It's a time that we set aside and say, before we get into all the other things that we wanna do this year, before we get into all the other things that we wanna see this year, before we get into all the other plans that we have, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to seek you, God. We're going to set aside time to withdraw and abstain from food. We're going to set aside time for prayer. We're going to set aside time for worship and for getting in your word so that the first way that we enter into your year, the first way, and we believe that when we set aside these first days, that it means the rest of the days of our year are going to be directed by your hand, are going to be directed by your presence, are going to be found in the place that you have for them. We set aside something first because I I think that we have this continual struggle in our year and our struggle is not always in our planning and our struggle is not found in the deep pressures of our life. Our struggle is found in our desires and the way that we fill them. And we spend so many of our days filling desires with false fillings. We fill them with falsehood. We fill them with things that were never meant to satisfy. We fill them with things that get us off path. I love, like I really love Coke. Like not Diet Coke, not Coke Zero. Good old red can, classic, all the calories Coke. Like I get real excited about it. And I have to limit it in my life because this is the thing about drinking Coke is it fills you with absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. It is sugar and carbonation and a bunch of chemicals that are doing nothing good for my body. I have no idea what's in it. You get no vitamins out of it. You don't even actually get any hydration. It has like a negative hydration effect on your body. It is a useless waste of time, except for the fact that it feels good and it tastes good when I have it. 
we spend so much of our life with true desires and we fill them with things that are adding absolutely nothing beneficial to our life. It is filled with sugar, it is filled with emptiness, and often it is filled with toxic behavior and toxic intake that is ruining the internal soul of our life, but we keep taking it in and we keep inputting it because we are filling ourselves with falsehood and at a some point in our year, we have to take a pause and say, I have a desire inside of me. And the desire is not the negative thing. The desire is a true desire that you have. The desire is a real longing from God. The desire is something that was put on the inside of you to go after something true, but we fill it with what's easy, and we fill it with what's most quickly available, and we fill it with the first thing that we can find, and we fill our with all kinds of falsehoods that get us off track and get us distracted and get us out of the plans and the purposes that God has for us. You have a genuine, real desire for rest in your life, but you fill it with numbing out on TV for five hours every night when you get home. The desire for rest is real, but you're filling it with something false. You're filling it with something that leaves you feeling emptier when you started than when you began. You're leaving it with something that ends up taking hours of genuine healthy sleep from you as you sit up watching episode after episode. You're filling it with something that puts false images in front of you that creates unrealistic expectations in your life about what your career or your romantic life is possibly gonna look like. We are filling it with falsehoods. You have a real desire for attention and to be noticed in your life because you deserve to be seen and you deserve to be known, but we're filling it with falsehoods. Going live on TikTok, hoping that every like and every comment will respond something. And it feels good in a minute. It tastes good as it goes down. <clears throat> Those comments come in telling you, girl, you look fine. But it fills you with something false because that's not the kind of attraction and attention and being noticed that you were designed. You were designed to be noticed by the king on high as a son, as a daughter of the one who created you in his divine image and we fill it with something false and move on for a moment. You were designed to feel like you have a place, like you have a role, like you have acceptance in society. You were designed to be part of the greater community. You were designed for these things and your desire is not the false thing, but we fill them with false things. Like buying shoes that we hope make people think we're important and buying clothes that we hope makes us look fancy putting on bling that we hope makes them know that we're valuable or that we've made it, that can signal to other people that we're worth their time and their attention. We fill it with false things. There is a desire in us and your desire is not the wrong thing. Your desire is out of something true, but it is the thing that is driving you into falsehoods because we settle for a lesser thing. It's the thing that got Eve in trouble in the garden. Go back and read it. It says, and God created them, man and woman. He created them in his image. And then it says, when the serpent who represents the enemy comes to her, the enemy says to her, you will be like God, 
if. I thought she was like God. I thought God created her in his image. But he tapped into a desire that she had to be like God. It was a true desire that he created for her to be made like him. And he sold her a falsehood and she filled herself with something false that had, etern- had long term consequences. You are filling yourself with something false and you think it only affects tonight. You think it only makes you a little bit more tired in the morning. You think that it just means that your budget is coming up a little bit short this month. You think that it means that you just missed that moment right now and I'm telling you, it has long-term consequences for the places that God wants to take you and the freedom he wants to see you in and the way that he wants to use your life. It is bigger than whether or not you stayed up a little bit late last night walking a show. It is bigger than whether or not you listed something on your resume that wasn't all the way accurate. It is bigger than that simple moment of filling yourself with something false. It is the long-term payment you are making. It is the long-term debt that you are creating. It is the long-term plans that we are missing out on because God has a plan and a purpose and that desire is supposed to be directing you towards the thing that he created you for and the thing that he designed you for and the thing that he made you for because you are important and because you are worth being seen and because you are valuable and because you do deserve rest and because there is a place for you to set aside all of those things but our desires are so lost and confused and misdirected. And here is the good news. You can direct your desires. At least once a year, we set aside time to go through a time of prayer and of fasting together. And as we go through that time of prayer and of fasting together, it is a reminder to me and to my soul and to the powers that be that I direct my desires, that I direct my outcomes, that I am in charge of what I put in front of me, that I'm in charge of what I take inside of me, that there is nothing that is burning on the inside of me that is bigger than what God's plan is for my life and what God's purpose is for my life. So I take over these next 21 days and I say, you know what? I'm not gonna eat certain foods and I'm not gonna take in certain things and there are things that I turn to quickly but I'm gonna set those things aside and I'm gonna seek the face of God and I'm gonna come before the face of God because my desire first and foremost is for him. My desire first and foremost is to seek the kingdom of God. My desire first and foremost is to be found in his presence. My desire first and foremost is to be filled to overflowing with the power and presence of God in such a way that everywhere I go it begins to move and pour out and spill on everyone around me because when I walk into a room it's like a gateway of heaven has just showed up in that place because I have been found in his presence we go into this place of prayer and fasting so we can fill ourselves and direct our desires direct our desires towards him it's interesting in the book of Matthew chapter 6 there are three phrases that Jesus says when you go to and it's interesting the word when is different than the word if. Like if I said to you, 
when you're done at church on Sunday, why don't we go out and get lunch? That's a very different sentence than I w if I said to you, if you go to church on Sunday, we can go out and get lunch. The one assumes that I know that you're going to be in church on Sunday because I know about you and I know about your habit and I know about your practice that you will be at church on Sunday. The other tells me that you may or may not be showing up to church on Sunday. It tells me that your habit and your practice and your participation is somewhat fluid, is somewhat flexible, and is maybe dependent on lots of other varying factors in your life. I would just say to you as we go into 2023, it is a great time in your life to evaluate the whens and the ifs of your life. Maybe for you it's church attendance participation in the large gathering that happens. Maybe it's the way that you show up for your family or friends. Maybe it's the way that when you make a commitment to something, you follow through on that commitment to something. When you say you will, will you? Or is it more of an if? Maybe it's a time to evaluate when you tell your kids this is gonna happen, will it? Or is it more of an if? Maybe it's whether or not you're gonna live inside your means this year. Maybe it's whether or not you're going to make those steps that you've been saying you're going to make towards the things that God has put on your hearts. I don't know, but it's a good time to evaluate if someone would say about you it's a when or it's an if in your life because Jesus has these three statements that he's making to his disciples. And when you say when, it assumes that this is part of what is just going to be happening. The first one is he says to them, when you give. He says, when you give, do it in this way. Jesus assumes that it is part of the life of a believer to be generous, that it is part of the life of a believer to give of their life and of themselves and of their finances and of their resources, that there is something that he assumes as he's talking to these Jesus followers that he's not saying, if you decide to be a generous person, if you decide that you're going to be a generous believer, he's saying, no, 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 in my mind, these words are synonymous, that if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you are also going to give. And then the next one he says is, when you fast, which tells me that Jesus assumes that his followers will be participating in fasting, which is kind of funny to me because there's another portion in scripture where the Pharisees come to him and they say to Jesus, how come John's disciples fast and how come the Pharisees' disciples fast and how come your disciples are always eating and drinking? Word for word, that's what he says. And in my mind, I like to like play like a real story of like what's happening in my mind. I have a picture of what's happening as well. And in my mind, the disciples are like in the background, like literally shoving, they're like, huh? Like with a mouthful of like bread and a glass of wine. They're like, what? And Jesus tells them, how can they, how can they fast when the bridegroom is with them? 
but the day will come when they fast. And, and you guys know I love to quote that other part about Jesus' people eating and drinking. But he also says, when you fast, which tells me that he very much intended that there would be fasting as a part of the life of a believer, that he anticipated that on a regular basis they would take time to separate themselves from the desires of their flesh and remind themselves that I am in control of my desires. And then he says, when you pray, when you pray, when you seek God, when you talk to God, when you go into the place where you are communing with God and you are offering yourself and you are seeking him and you are finding forgiveness and you are laying down, when you go to pray, he assumes that it is part of the life of a believer to be in prayer. And if you are fasting without prayer, you are just going on a diet. And you can fast without prayer, and you'll still seek the health benefits that it gives to your body, but you won't see the spiritual transformation, the way that it will form you and reform you and make you more like him unless you also go into prayer and fasting. You guys know I'm funny about words. I told you that before. I get real particular about real random things, and one of those things is you will notice that whenever we have material that goes out, it talks about prayer and fasting. A couple years ago, I felt like people were talking about fasting too much with our people. I don't have opinions about, well, I have opinions, but I don't have authority over other churches and what they do. I thought we were talking about fasting too much, and we were missing the praying. And so I told everyone, I don't want anyone saying we're doing 21 days of fasting. We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Because you can fast in all kinds of ways that get you health benefits. But what we're talking about is setting aside time to seek God and to come into his presence and to hunger after him. There's another verse that says, I hunger and I thirst for righteousness. We are saying that our hunger and our, and our thirst, first and foremost, is after your kingdom, is after your righteousness. It's not after these earthly desires that I have, God, but I want to run into your presence. And I have found that this practice of giving, of prayer, and of fasting have a way of forming and repositioning and realigning my life what I do. I abstain from some foods or from all foods for an extended period of time, and I replace the time that I would normally be going to get food, that I would normally be eating, that I would normally be going after uh, different snacks. And I've, I have a lot. I have a really healthy regiment of eating in my life, so it creates a lot of open time in my life. Replace that time with prayer, with song, with scripture, with things that bring you into God's presence. And some of this is big, right? Like if you're not eating breakfast, you replace that breakfast time with a time of worship and prayer before God. And some of it is really small. I drink a pretty steady regimen of coffee throughout my day. And so I often find when I'm in times of fasting, I've given up coffee. You know how you just find yourself automatically in front of the coffee pot? And I'll be like, what am I doing here? And that becomes a moment where I say, this is a time when I normally have, would have come and filled with something else. 
So God, I just wanna say that I'm grateful for who you are in my life. I just wanna take 10 seconds and say, God, I acknowledge your presence. God, walk with me today. Some of it is the big, huge moments and some of it is the tiny moments that disrupt our regular rhythm and cause us to be more conscious and more aware of what we are doing. So we abstain from some or all foods. We replace that time with prayer, with scripture, and with praise before God. And then we set aside the money that we would have spent on these other foods, that we would have spent on going out to coffee, that we would have spent on after-dinner drinks, that we would have spent on going out to a restaurant that we would have spent in things like an entertainment or going to a movie. We set aside that money and we bring it in as an offering before God saying, I want to bring you something, God, that represents a transition, a transference of the things that I have into the place of who you are so that I can say before you and make a statement that I am seeking you this year. I keep a note throughout the month and I just make a tally of random things that I go like, oh, you know what? I normally would have run through and grabbed a coffee right then. Let me transfer over $100 because coffee costs $1,000 now these days. Just joking. Let me jot down $5 because that's $5 I would have spent going there. Oh, you know what? We normally would have gone out to eat at this place right then. Let me just transfer $40. $40. Let me put that in. However you do it, you take what would have gone on yourself, what would have gone towards those desires, and you make a tally of it as something we bring. And when we wrap these three things together of prayer, of fasting, and of giving, it moves something on the inside of us, and it moves something in the power and the trajectory of our church family and of what God is doing in us and through us as we say, first and foremost, We are going to seek you this year. God, we will seek you this year. Have you ever succeeded at something that was the wrong thing? You know what I mean? I learned this lesson most clearly, most plainly in my life when I went away to college. I went away to college for a couple of years, and guys, I was great at it. Like I got a scholarship and I was getting good grades and I was getting involved in all the different community like groups and activities and I was in leadership roles. Like I had a friend, I was crushing it. Except for I kept having this thing on the inside that was like, this isn't where you're supposed to be. And I was like, but I'm doing real good at it. It's like, this is not where you're supposed to be. I was like, but God, don't you see I'm on the Dean's list? This is not where you're supposed to be. It's like, I don't know if you've noticed, they've nominated me to a role. <sighs> this is how the Holy Spirit talks to me. <sighs> yes, I know that's because I've put leadership on the inside of you and your gift will stand up wherever you are, but this is not the place that you are supposed to be succeeding at. And so finally, after two years, it took me a while, I had to admit that I was succeeding in a place that I was never intended to be in. I want you to look at the book of Luke 19. Luke 19, starting in chapter one. It's a story, it might be familiar to some of you. This is a story of Zacchaeus. If you grew up in church, you've got a song going in your head right now. I'm sorry, I can't fix that for you. But it goes like this. It says, and he entered into Jericho, he being Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. 
He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. We can't get into all of it now, but the um, Luke is making a connection here to the rich young ruler who he's just talked about in the page before and showing a contrast between the two responses of these people. And he's also making a statement that it's not the rich that made him unworthy, it's his response to Jesus. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a wee little man. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree. So he hustled. He hustled so he could climb. What are you hustling so you can climb up in this year? What are you hustling so you can succeed at? Are you hustling so you can climb another ladder? Are you hustling so you can climb in the image of your family? Are you hustling so you can climb and get just a little bit higher and get just a little bit better view so you can be just a little bit taller than somebody else? What are you hustling after? It says he hustled and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received. He hustled now to come to Jesus and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be a guest of the man who is a sinner. Ain't that just like Jesus? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I shall give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. And since he has also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. There is a lot we can learn from this short story of Zacchaeus and of his response, but what I want us to hone in on today is that he was succeeding at the wrong thing. He was succeeding in the wrong place. It said Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. We've talked about tax collectors before because scripture talks about tax collectors a lot. Tax collectors held this unique position of being of the Jewish people, but hired by the oppressive Roman government to extract taxes from the Jewish people on behalf of their oppressive government. And since they had such a frustrating, annoying job, they had a desire to see themselves in a different position and place. And so they said to themselves, I deserve a little bit more than what is being doled out to me. And so they would extract even higher taxes than what the Roman government knew. Nobody liked the tax collectors. They had switched sides and they were profiting from it. And Zacchaeus was not just a wealthy tax collector, he was the chief tax collector, which meant that he was over, you could call him regional tax collector. He was regional tax collector, and not only would he extract taxes from those that he was going to, he would also probably extract a portion of those that he oversaw. He was taking in all kinds of wealth, and Zacchaeus was making his life work. People in town feared him. People in town revered him. He had the finest clothes, and he lived in the finest part of town, and he had the finest shoes, and he had the finest chariot to roll around town in, and he walked 
walked in a way that said, I'm important and you need to move out of my way. He walked in a way that said, I have climbed up the ladder and I have worked my way up from entry level tax collector to chief of all of the tax collectors. I report directly to the man on top. Look how I am succeeding in my life. Look how I can pay for all of the things that I want. Look how I have a table to fit out. Look how I lay the finest feasts and he was fulfilling this internal desire that he had for value and for importance and for significance with the wrong thing and he was good at it. Zacchaeus was succeeding at the wrong thing. Are you succeeding at the wrong thing in your life? As we run into this year with all of our plans and with all of our goals and with all of our desires and with all of our things that we've laid out, how many of us have sought these things first and then sought the kingdom of God? And we've laid out our goals and we've laid out our habits and we've put together our dream boards and our vision boards and then we've brought them before God and said, God, will you bless this? God, will you finance this? God, will you breathe on this? And he's like, you'll probably succeed at it because I put gifts in you and I put talents in you and I put wisdom in you and I put understanding in you but it's the wrong thing because you didn't seek me first. There is something that changes drastically in Zacchaeus when he gets in the presence of Jesus. When he sits in the presence of almighty God, all of the sudden his desire to be recognized and to be noticed that he has been fulfilling by gaining up and gathering up wealth is changed and is moved. And he says, what if I gave it away? What if I repaid everything I've stolen? What if I give to someone else? And all of the sudden, his desire that he had to be known and to be noticed and to be recognized is shifted in the presence of God and moved in the exact opposite direction. And it does the very thing he's been climbing for and striving for and for every day of his life and Zacchaeus's name gets written down in scripture so that thousands of years later we recognize him and we notice him and we sing songs about him not because he was a man who gathered up for himself but because he was a man whose heart was turned towards God and all it took was sitting in the presence of Jesus as we step into 21 days of prayer and of fasting what I want for you what I desire for you what I believe for our church is that we're going to spend some time in the presence of Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, he's going to form something and he's going to move something and he's going to change something and he's going to speak to some of us and he's going to say to some of you, you're succeeding at the wrong thing. You're succeeding in the wrong direction. He's going to say to somebody, you've been settling for that support job because it's all you can see yourself in, but I put in you a desire for executive level leadership. It's time to succeed at the right thing. I know everyone tells you you're so good at it, and I know you feel like you know how to do it, 
and I know it feels comfortable and it's time for you to step out. And he's gonna tell somebody, I know that they've put you in that role and I know that they keep giving you awards and I know they keep applauding for you and I know it feels like you're succeeding and you are succeeding, but you're succeeding at the wrong thing because I told you that there are inner city kids who need somebody to come and sit and read with them and that's your thing to do. It's time for you to step out of that job where they keep sending you checks and that job where they keep giving you awards. You need to move to the thing that he told you to succeed at. Some of you that need to move cities and there's some of you that are sitting in seats that need to be in places of volunteering. There's some of you that are storing up physical wealth and God has been impressing on your heart. It's time for you to give. It's time for you to sow. It's time for you to stop leaning on earthly security and start resting on me. There is something about being in his presence and the thing I want you to ask God time and time again over these next 21 days is God am I succeeding? Succeeding at the wrong thing. And it takes being in his presence. It takes sitting with Jesus. And when you sit with him, as the light begins to shine, when you sit with him, all of a sudden, it took Zacchaeus no time at all. It says he sat with Jesus. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus said, huh? You know what I need to do? I need to pay back everybody I've ever stole from. In fact, I'm gonna pay him back four times. It just came up in him because he spent time in the presence of God. For the next 21 days, some of you, to be honest, right now, you know what your thing is, but it's gonna take 21 days for God to form you and prepare you and speak to you. You know it, but if I asked you today, you'd be like, mm-mm. We're not talking about it today, but in here, you know it. You know it in your knower. Just surrender it to him and say, God, show me, teach me. What is it? What is it? What is it that I'm succeeding at that's not what you have called me to? Because I'm gonna set aside all of my desires. I'm gonna set aside all of the extra. And God, I'm gonna focus in. I'm gonna seek you first. I am going to direct my desires on you.